everybody, and welcome back to another edition of the Slumber Party Podcast. I am your co-host, Amanda Jusen, here today with my other co-host, Lisa Ranrine. Hello, Lisa. Hey. Hey. I'm adjusting my mic ever so slightly. Um, yeah, you know, today we are talking about, uh, well, I have an Instagram account. If you're not following us there, we're at Baby's Best Sleep, B-A-B-Y-S, not B-A-B-I-E-S. That's a common thing. Um, Yes, Baby's Best Sleep. Uh, And we asked people to reach out with their topics about things that they wanted to talk about. We had quite a few requests for preschool uh, slash toddler sleep. And so I'm probably going to use the words toddler and preschool interchangeably because we see a lot of the same behaviors and difficulties, uh, basically two plus. From the time your child has moved from a crib to a bed, we are going to see these types of behaviors. So if you're listening and I say toddler and you're, you know, you have a three-year-old or a four-year-old or even a five-year-old, I do mean you. I am speaking to you. So I wanted to make that clarification. So I'm going to take a look at my my question here. The question was, um, well, actually, I'll read the two that are pretty similar. So um, someone says, help, my four-year-old just started getting up in the night, slept through the night since six months. And then we have another question, toddler sleep, dealing with the fear the dark and sleep resistance with three-year-olds. So um, let's jump into this. Now, first, before we do that, uh, Lisa, you have a little munchkin around this age, right? Yes. Yeah. And now that you're (laughs) actually reading the comment, like you gave me the topic sort of generally, but you read the comment like, yes, every night my (laughs) munchkin... uh, like, yeah, like around 2 or 3 a.m., she will scream out for one of the parents to come and mm-hmm. cuddle her back to sleep. But by the time mm-hmm. we get there, she's back to sleep. But there's that mm-hmm. very obvious, like very, very declared statement of like, mom, dad, come cuddle me. And by the time we come down mm-hmm. to her, she's she's back to sleep. But she's it's sleep. almost yeah. every single night. Yeah, yeah, it's great. yeah, and I I have to make the declaration, um, and I realize that I don't do this enough because I assume people are listening to this podcast to achieve independent sleep, um, and so uh, I want to remind everyone that these suggestions are based on the idea that that is what you are hoping for. There is no norm for infant toddler. Uh, preschooler sleep. If you, you know, Lisa, I think that you do cuddle Charlie to sleep. Look at us. It, let let this be uh, a a shoot. Like Lisa is my soul sister, soul sister. In the words of Vicky Gunvalson, and she cuddles her child to sleep. And look, we can. <laughs> Um, <laughs> you're not dating Brooks heirs, thank God. Like we don't have to have no, that conversation. No, no um, but I mean, we could have a whole conversation about that. But anyway, we will. Um, 
<laughs> One day we will. We'll have like another podcast called Shit We Wanted to Say on Slumber Party but couldn't. <laughs> and um, we'll just talk about all that stuff. Uh, but we can coexist because I don't give a shit about how my friend sleeps because she's showing up. She's well. She's doing things that feel right for her and her family. This isn't impacting anyone. So I don't care. And neither should you. See? See? Like this can happen, everybody. Yes. Anyway. Yeah. So you know, if, if you were to want to stop that, this advice is for that. Like if you wanted to stop that because, you know, the waking up once a night is impacting your day. Maybe you have a high stressful job. Maybe you simply don't. Maybe you sit on the couch and you do absolutely jack shit. You have 17 nannies and you just don't want to be up in the middle of the night. That's also okay. So I just want to like show all sides of the spectrum. It's all about you because uh, secure attachment is created through psychic energy with your child, right? It's co-regulation. So if you're like, I shared this, your child feels that. If you're like, I'm indifferent, your child also feels that. So it's about showing up truthfully and honestly for yourself. I We're four minutes and 50 seconds in and I have said no, nothing helpful yet so far. But no, we are this is all helpful. Get... Yes. Okay. You have to preface okay, good. It. <laughs> preface, 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 five minutes yes. of uh, disclaimers. Okay. So with that, It sounds like with the intention of these kiddos, and I will speak to your situation if you're okay with that, Lisa, in in a no judgment way. Okay. So, you know, when this happens, this always happens when kiddos move from the crib to the bed and they move from the crib to the bed and they have freedom, glorious freedom. They see you getting up and leaving. And also like kids have this uh, amazing, um, you know, uh, imagination about what we're doing. That's so fun when really like, if it's my house, I'm like cleaning and then I go to bed. (laughs) It's like, Ooh, (laughs) like watch me clean. Um, Mm -hmm. yeah. So, you know, they want to get up, they want to get out. This is also when they become like little real people to you, right? We're not dealing with babies anymore. We're dealing with toddlers. We're dealing with people with thoughts and feelings and emotions and preferences. They know that they like this kind of pizza and not. They want pineapple on their pizza. So when all of a sudden they start saying, sit with me, or I want you to cuddle me, or don't go, well, gee whiz, that really pulls on your heartstrings as a parent, right? Now, It's so funny. I feel like I could see myself getting into this, but I got into sleep consulting before um, I I did this. And I worked with so many families who went down the rabbit hole of having to sit with their children to sleep that I just knew that that wasn't something I wanted to do. Both of my children have requested my presence at sleep. That hasn't changed. Um, And I'll I'll tell you, like the easy answer for me was that was just such a no-go for me. I knew that it wasn't something that I could commit to long-term. That night, for sure. And this is what what happens is parents will be like, of course, I'll just sit with you tonight. Who cares? No big deal. It's tonight. But for the child, they're like, great, this is awesome. They might become behaviorally dependent. So they might now associate their sleep with your presence. So again, this becomes a decision for you. If that's something that you're okay doing, have at her. The risk is obviously that your child will have a partial arousal because uh, last week's episode, we all wake several times through the night. And if your child uh, senses that you're not there and they can't fall asleep without your presence, they're going to call out like 
our girl does, you know, mommy, daddy, I want you to come downstairs. And by the time you're downstairs, she's asleep, which is great. But for some parents, that might really impact their day. And so they can't do that. So the the tricky bit now is how do I stop doing this thing that I've started? And I am making an assumption based on these questions that that's probably what is happening. And with these baby or these babies, these preschoolers or these toddlers, when they are waking up in the middle of the night, they are probably like 99.9 times out of 100 are looking for parental presence. Um, If they are not, it means that there is some sort of reward that the parent is providing in the middle of the night, whether that's like some sort of like interaction or whatever, either way, either way, um, if you don't want to do those things anymore, you have to stop them. And I made a, um, a TikTok, uh, and a, uh, it's on Instagram too, that had a lot of views called car seat confidence. It's about car seat confidence. And I alluded to this when I talked about my kids asking me if I wanted to sleep with them or if I wanted to sit with them. And, uh, the fact of the matter is because I knew I couldn't commit to that. I just said, no, I said, I'm, I, you know what? I know that that's something you want. I hear you. If I sit with you, you're going to want that every day. And that's not something mommy can do. I'm alone a lot as a parent. I have to like be doing shit. So yeah. And you don't need to, you don't need to specify for what your reasons are. And like with my first two children, I never had that. They were both Mm -hmm. great at falling asleep. And in fact, actually, I think my husband was more attached to having that nighttime routine and a bit of a cuddle with them because he pre-pandemic worked so much outside the home. Uh, like mm-hmm. had to commute into Toronto and it was it was a lot you know like that was mm-hmm. his bonding time and he did create yeah. a bit of a dependence with our middle child um, and this is like definitely completely brought on by me like we both mm-hmm. have this need for that end of night connection and mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. like it just happened that I created this little yeah. monster um, yeah. <laughs> this little monster situation so and you know and it's like it was totally conscious that we were doing it like I had no I had no like you know I wasn't kidding myself thinking like this is just gonna be this night tonight like I knew what I'm (laughs) committing to here you know like (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah yeah um I think to say a little bit of a safe like when I do need to leave like when I want to go out or I have something mm-hmm. going on um, past mm-hmm. her bedtime, which is very rare, but when I do, um, I do just leave, you know, and yeah. I do just, yeah. I don't, cont- like nobody then cuddles her. She goes to sleep independently. That's so amazing. I always mm-hmm. want to know that that is possible. And yeah. I'm sure the for the for the for my husband or whoever is watching her for the sitter it is a little bit tougher because she will call out but but I do like that separation that she does know that when push mm-hmm. comes to shove if I do have to leave she will fall asleep on her own like she does not get out of bed yeah. so there is some well, boundary actually, there yes <clears throat> I, and I was yeah. gonna say you know what's probably happening there is she's sensing your resoluteness regarding that like this is a non-negotiable if I have to go out I'm going out and right. I think this is what it comes down to is that when if it, the, and I again I'm speaking to my experience with my clients too like what 
is a common thread in story. No one calls me in your situation, right? Where they're like, right. hey, can you right. help me? Why? Because you have boundaries and you know how to end it and you're not really freaked out. When people call me, it's because you know, when, when their child says, I'm afraid when you leave and the parent goes, oh my God, and now we stay. And now what this has done is it's accidentally reinforced that this behavior or the, the fear is legitimate. So yeah, you know what? You do have something to be afraid of. So I will sit with you because there is something scary. And then when we go to leave, they're like, hey, you just said something is scary and now you are leaving. And now we have really big feelings or reactions. Maybe it's not fear. Maybe it's, you know, I'm leaving and the child goes absolutely crazy or they're up and down, Mm -hmm. up and down all night. They're in and out of the parents' room. They're waking up people in the family. And if that's you, generally parents are complying because they're afraid of the really big reaction of the child. Because when we set the boundary, your child will have really big feelings about it. They are no longer in control over a situation that they've had control over. And if you're changing something that they've become used to, that is a stressful experience for them. Now, it doesn't mean we're leaving them or we're abandoning them. It means that we are setting that boundary. And so generally when parents who are, and we're not talking about like, generally the the parents that I'm, I'm speaking to right now are quite comfortable with boundaries. They're comfortable with independent sleep. This isn't a question. But what they're not comfortable with is a sudden, huge outburst of emotion or behavior from their child and what to do about it. So then then we go online and we read about separation anxiety. We read about anxiety disorders. We read about all of these things, why your child is having a big reaction, when the reality is it's because you're changing a behavior. And Mm -hmm. it makes total sense that your child would have a big reaction. And then when we talk about car seat confidence, I talk about all of the ways that we do this every day, that our child has a big reaction and that we respond differently and therefore their response is different. So I talk about car seats. Anytime, uh, like both of my kids between the ages of two and three decided one day they don't like car seats, they don't want to be in them, or, you know, strollers, they don't want to be in my stroller, and they freak out. Well, sometimes they don't get a choice, especially with car seats, right? This is a health and safety decision. So we put them in the car seat already, we buckle them up, we pull on the lever to tighten them. So now our child is having a big reaction, and what do we do? We put restraining devices on them. And then we tighten the restraining devices. Now, if I were to break down that to you, that sounds horrific, but this is a health and safety concern and we don't bat an eye. Our psychic conscious is telling the child, this is not a negotiable thing. This is a health and safety Mm -hmm. thing. We are communicating safety to the child in that decision-making process. We are communicating, um, you know, when I am confident, you don't have anything to worry about. So oftentimes this really big reaction is a result of us being like, oh shit, am I traumatizing them? Oh my God, what am I doing? Oh my God, they're crying again. Oh my God, put out the fire, put out the fire. The child is like, something's wrong. They're not confident in this decision. I don't Mm -hmm. feel safe or secure. And so then we have this like ongoing back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. 
So oftentimes, I don't have an easy answer for this. When you stop sleeping with your child, now you can do this many ways. You can do this by sitting next to your child and slowly moving out of the room over anywhere from seven to 10 days. You can do it that way. You can leave the door open and then have moments. I've talked about this on Renee Rena's podcast, the Mom Room podcast, about the possibility of shutting doors as a symbol of a boundary, but then allowing the child to earn back having the door open. That's an option mm-hmm. that works. Any way you do this, whether you're staying, whether you're leaving, whether you have 10 weeks of prep or no weeks, your child eventually when you leave the room is going to be stressed about that and they will cry or have a temper tantrum about that. How you react to that is the success or the the, the failure of the program. Mm-hmm. How confident, mm-hmm. how much you want it, how much it actually matters to you. These are all things. So for some people, it's like, I don't want to do that because it doesn't really matter. Great. I I want to go back to my example of my youngest every three months will be like, can you sit with me? And I'll be like, no. And then she's like, okay. Because I am car seat confident when it comes to that. She's like, no, we're not. It's fine. We are not going down that road with her. And I'm not mean about it. And by the way, with all of these interventions, no one is, get back to bed. We're not locking doors. We are simply stating a boundary. I'm not going to sit with you tonight. You are safe. You're okay. If, If you can't stay in your room, I have to close the door because it's not safe for you to be up and around the house. I'm going to close the door for one minute. You can prep them. You can tell them. You can do the play-by-play of what's going to happen. None of this is a shock. And then when you're ready, I'm going to open up the door again. Okay? All right. It can be so calm. It can be so loving. It can be so gentle. It does, But you can't control your child's reaction. And in fact, your child's big reaction is so healthy, so cathartic. So, you know, we talk about processing, right? Like having emotions process or experiences process. Children know how to process. We mm-hmm. are a problem. We tell them, don't cry. We tell them, oh gosh, it's fine. It's fine. It's fine. Don't cry. No, they're processing. It's exactly what they should do. It's super yes. healthy for them. So if we have, it, you will be surprised. Yeah, it's like a little workout for their emotion. You know, it's like a little strength training <laughs> for their emotions. And their that you are right emotions. there for them. Yes, exactly. and you don't You're have guiding they, them through they, it. Be yeah. alone. You don't have to be like that's wrong. You can be like, I know this is really tough for you. This is hard for mommy and daddy too. Um, I we don't like seeing you this way, but you're okay and you're safe, and I love you. It can be really, mm-hmm. really gentle and lovely. And I think what the irony is of all of this, I don't want to say your child's big emotions are wrong, or we're trying to stop them. Some kids, it's also based on temperament, who they are. You know, can I use your child's name? Yes. I think we have. Yeah, yeah. we do. So, we do. so yeah, Charlie, definitely. she has a temperament that's so chill. You can be like, Charlie, do this. Yeah. She's like, okay. Some kids are not like that. So we have yeah. to honor the child in front of us. If you are saying these things to your child and they're having big reactions, there's a really good chance that once you allow safety for those big feelings and big reactions, they know that they can let it out and be crazy and messy in front of you. You will see those big outbursts left often because there's not anything left. They, they've let it all out, 
right? I I can attest to this with my oldest, that the moment I stop being afraid, the moment I stop trying to control whether or not these reactions happened is the moment they stopped. Isn't that interesting? It's such great advice. Yeah. It really Sorry, is. Go ahead. Like just, just no. I'm just say, like I, I'm processing it and just thinking like they, they are allowed to have those big reactions, and so then they don't feel like they have to suppress it. You know, when when it comes to those times that they need to feel it, like feeling it out loud and feeling it in front of you is like like we have this during pickup times from school, right? Mm-hmm. Like there's big emotions, yes. especially for the four year old. Um, coming yep. home, I feel like there's an entire day's event that happened in that one hour that we do the school pickup. Um, yep. And that can be exhausting. But you know, it's like you're their safe place to let that out. Right. So yeah, that's exactly it. And that's such a good example, too, of like other areas we have car seat confidence with school pick up and drop off. That's a separation. That's also a big stressor for kids. Daycare, Bottle feeding, if we're going breast to bottle feeding where or chest or feeding to bottle feeding, those are stressful situations. You know, we do these things and and we don't or swimming. Another great example. I wanted both my kids to swim. Uh, We like my my daughter, my youngest daughter had a um, uh, like a little I don't even want to say she slipped on the. um, Yep. The, the deep part of the pool in front of us. It was, it was nothing like, this is why you have to watch your kids in a pool, by the way. Uh, but we were there and we picked her up and it was no big deal, but it really spooked her. And for mm-hmm. two years, we supported her fear through the pool. It doesn't mean that we say you never go into a pool again, or you should never learn how to swim because that will impact her whole life. Right. So, and again, I know this is a little bit different, but this is a decision that has familial safety, meaning that you getting up with your child overnight several times, it does impact you or does impact the family and no one is happy and everyone's grumbling and you're yelling at your kids. Well, there are risks to that as well. That's not a risk-free decision. Um, And now, again, it's so personal, right? Like we can't make these blanket statements for everyone. But for us, when it came to the swimming part, that was a familial safety thing. We have a pool. Our daughter needed to learn how to swim. And guess what? We supported Mm -hmm. her. She can swim. She's not afraid of the water anymore. She looked to us for that car seat confidence every single time. Um, And again, you might be listening to this and be like, well, honestly, I don't really want my child to experience that stress because it doesn't really matter to me. There's no safety issues. Great. But your child experiencing that stress is okay and is likely to happen in many other areas throughout their young developmental time. Mm -hmm. Yeah. No, definitely. I think think it's such a good takeaway having that the courage to encourage your little one to to feel that and to leave mm-hmm. it there right to mm-hmm. just leave yeah. it with you and yeah yep yeah. i have another podcast episode i will try to link where i talk through a step by step process of a kiddo who's getting out of bed frequently um i also encourage you to take a listen to i think i spoke with renee for like an hour on this topic um 
and see if it lands for you, right? Like if your child is getting up and it's not working for you, people want a magic answer, but the answer is you have to tell them to stop doing that. And there needs to be, if you want to make it fun, have some rewards in the process. Um, Then we have to think about consequences. Um, Oh gosh, there's an account that I follow that had such a great description of this. I should try to find it. But they explained the difference between natural and logical consequences. So natural consequences are things that kind of happen as a result of not doing anything. So, you know, when my kids say, I'm not cold. I'm not wearing a hat. I say, okay. And then halfway to school, they're like, can I go back and get a hat? I'm like, yeah, that's a natural consequence. But a logical consequence is implemented by a parent, usually for safety concerns. That's when we talk about car seats. You don't get in the car seat. You have a choice to get it on your own. And if you don't, I put you in and that sucks. So those are logical consequences. And it's okay for you to have logical consequences when there is a family issue at present. So you saying, unfortunately, if you can't stay in your room, I will have to get a gate. I will have to get a door monkey. I will have to close your door or I will close your door momentarily to represent the boundaries. Those are all okay things. Those are all health and safety things. Your kid doesn't want a bath. You don't stop bathing them. You don't start saying, you know what? It's okay. I respect your choice not to bathe. No, they're going to get sick. They're going to get an infection behind their ear. We don't like, there are lots of ways that our kids do this. Um, Again, if it's something that works for your family, that's what you do. That's the magic answer. If it's not working, you stop allowing them to do it. You implement rewards and consequences. You have car seat confidence and it's going to be over. And if it's not, you call us. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you can contact us. You can contact us. That's what we do. Anything to add to that, Liza? Um, no, I think you said it all. I mean, that was that was really good. And that's really good for even like those. It's just like the I don't ever understand it's like the 4am scream out, we call it like she just like, you know, she like bosses us around. And then by the time we wiggle <laughs> ourselves out of bed, and then get our buds down, we're in the attic. And so we get down to yeah. her to her bedroom and she's back to sleep. And it's just yeah. like I had to navigate an entire set of stairs to <laughs> It's almost like I wonder if she needs to hear you getting out of bed. She's like, good, still gotcha. That's exactly what I think. I think she's like, yeah. oh, she started stomping. I feel safe now. And then she like goes back Here to sleep. Go. Yeah, it's very yeah. annoying. Very annoying. But uh, yeah, we do. I mean, it is sometimes just as simple as just like actually reinforcing it with her. I guess I don't really do that. And now you said that. I'm like, yeah, maybe I should just tell her to quit it. <laughs> Yeah, it it can be as easy as that. And if she's not doing that, then you can implement some logical consequences to that. And I mean, a natural consequence would be, and this is where we say like short-term pain for long-term gain, is that, Charlie, I'm not coming into your room tonight. When you call out in the morning, I am not coming in. So I want you to know that. I want you to be prepared. And then she might call out for you for a long time. She might wake up the whole house, but then she's going to know that you mean business. So Mm -hmm. it's that short-term pain for maybe, you know, one to three days and then it'll stop because she's like, well, shit, they're not going to come. She said, she warned me. She had some pre-repair. She told me, I tested them 
They did not come. And it might be yeah. days where you'd be like, fine, we start our day at five. Go downstairs. I'm not cuddling you back to sleep. I'm not. Like, those are those things that you take the loss to have long-term follow-through with your child if it's not something you can do long-term. Yeah. Oh, for sure. She's pushing that boundary. Like there's been many times where I come down and she says, can I come up to your bed? And there's been many times when we said yes previous, but past Mm -hmm. a certain size and the way that she sleeps, I was like, no, you really can't. Like you will have to stay here. And I, you know, it is what it is. And, um, Mm -hmm. and so she knows that that's not an option yet. I don't reinforce it the other way, but like, I really haven't really just told her that I really don't like that, that she, she yells so that's that's all me you're like well yeah it's like woo there are all of these like things and on that note it's actually making me think of a study that I I was looking at this morning I'm opening up because this is honestly what I do um okay so in just in I believe 2022 yes last year in March um I'm gonna go here so Not to suggest that this has anything to do with Charlie, but, you know, when people say kids grow out of it, I want to say, yes, that does happen. Kids do, like, with certain types of temperaments, they can grow out of these behaviors and just stop on their own. I'm not going to say that doesn't happen. Um, But last year in March, I did a couple of media segments on this as well. Um, They had a fairly large... Uh, study uh, called Trajectories of Insomnia Symptoms from uh, Childhood Through to Young Adult, um, which basically looked at um, adults with insomnia. So were there any warning signs that a child would have in, or sorry, an adult would have insomnia? And when we looked at these people, we found that they actually started following 502 children around the age of nine, and they followed them right up to 15. So the median age was 24. And basically kids who didn't sleep were adults who didn't sleep. And then so then they went a little bit farther and they said, okay, well, could this be like a medical issue? Could this be something? And so they went through all of these things. No, these people were fit as a fiddle. What they looked at and what the study author said is that these are largely behavioral issues that can be changed with behavioral interventions. And that is what Mm -hmm. we do. We do that. What I'm telling you right now, these are called behavioral intervention strategies. And so, and, and by the way, with rest, my best, our adult sleep company, this is exactly what we do. We challenge limiting beliefs around sleep. What we're doing when we're sitting with our child for some children is we're introducing the belief that they can't fall asleep without a parent. Adults do this all the time. I can't fall asleep unless I'm on my couch. I can't fall asleep unless the TV is on. I can't fall asleep, blah, 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 blah. It's the, it's the same thing. So what we have to do is mm-hmm. we have to challenge that belief and implement new behaviors. Um, and so to say this, you know, goes away with time, yes, for some, but not for all. And, it, you know, you could be stopping the chain of perpetual insomnia for your child. Um, and if mm-hmm. you want that study, you can send me a link or just look up um, that title. It was just released last year in March, March 2022. Cool. <gasps> Cool. On that note, it's 31 minutes. I'm going to stop talking at everyone. Um, Any final thoughts, words, words of wisdom? I'm going to try it and report back. (laughs) Okay. 
All right. Try all right. Next try week. It. Talk to her. Talk some sense into yeah, her. Yeah, try it. I am not giving up the pre-dive cuddle, though, unless it becomes a real problem. Yeah. We were, we were close to it last night. I had a girls' night, and um, there was a lot of demands. Um of and course. a lot of negotiating about what her yes. night was going to go like. And uh, I was like, yeah, you're going to have to figure that out with your grandma and toodaloo. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> Again, if it's an, a problem, is only a problem if it's a problem, right? If yeah. it's working, who cares? If it's working, yeah, why are you but listening I'll report to the, podcast? On the Yeah, <laughs> I'll report on the 4 a.m. wakes for sure. Okay. 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 All right, everyone. Have a wonderful day wherever you are. Uh, If you want more tips and tricks, you can follow us on YouTube, on Instagram, on TikTok, uh, just about anywhere. And I can talk at your face about sleep forever and ever and ever. Um, We have episodes on just about every single sleep topic. If you look through Spotify or iTunes, look up up your uh, particular problem and the Slumber Party podcast, I guarantee there's an episode on it already. Um, But if there isn't, we do have a voicemail feature. You can also DM me. You can email me with your sleep topic and we'd love to talk about it on the show. Have a great day. See you later, everybody. Goodbye.